Hello and welcome. I'm Simon. And I'm Tony. And we're still knee-deep in tech. And uh, we are recording an interview at Microsoft Ignite 2019. Yes, this being episode 92, actually. Yep. Um, and today we have a very special guest with us. He is the remote access legend since many, many years ago. Uh, Mr. Richard Higgs, please welcome to the show. Uh, tell people a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, great. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for inviting me down to talk with you guys. I appreciate it. So uh, my name is Richard Higgs. I'm the founder and principal consultant at Richard M. Higgs Consulting, uh, where we focus on enterprise security or uh, enterprise mobility and security infrastructure. So I do a lot of work with remote access, both Microsoft technology and non-Microsoft solutions, uh, and security infra infrastructure as it relates somewhat to uh, mobility, securing you know mobile access, but also uh, some some other side projects that involve security, PKI, MFA, those types of things. Yeah, and I also know that for a fact that you're an author as well. I am. Yes, I'm the author of Implementing Direct Access with Windows Server 2016. So that book's right. been out for a few years. You can, uh, if you're interested in it, you could go to directaccessbook.com and learn more about it if you like. Yep, yep. I actually happen to have a signed copy, so ah, uh, I can highly recommend this book. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I remember when you got that. Yeah, uh, yep. just a few years you, back. You are a bit of his <laughs> idol, so uh, <laughs> of course I've learned so much from uh, Mr. Hicks, uh, yeah. you know, blog posting and stuff. He does that pretty much on a daily basis. Uh, uh, sp it's everything about uh, configuration, specific error messages, how to solve them, uh, w which hotfix does what, so... It's very, very detailed and uh, full of information, and I highly recommend everyone to check that out if you haven't already. Outstanding. That's yeah. directaccess.richardhicks.com, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Very so good. are you primarily focusing on the Windows endpoints, or do you take care of all different operating systems? So uh, historically, when I got involved with direct access, that was quite clearly a Microsoft-only solution. Um, and of course, I was working for a Microsoft partner at the time, and so we were pretty much all Microsoft all the time. That's what we focused on. Uh, when I began uh, working for myself, uh, that allowed me the opportunity to kind of branch out, right? So I wasn't necessarily tied directly to the Microsoft platform. And so now, as I focus more broadly on mobility as opposed to a specific solution like direct access, then I become involved in deploying uh, solutions from a variety of vendors, Cisco, Checkpoint, um, SonicWall, Palo yep. Alto, NetMotion Software, a variety of solutions. Essentially, what I can do now is come to my customers instead of just saying, I'm the direct access guy, let's deploy direct access. I'm the mobility guy, let's find the best solution on the market today that meets your needs and requirements. I do have customers who come and have very basic, simple requirements. Perhaps a Microsoft solution is a good fit. Sometimes they have very complex or very unique requirements around security or, or functionality that the Microsoft solutions don't support or, or don't address well. And I can offer another solution because, hey, you know, Palo Alto might do this better yep. or NetMotion software does this better than those and, and so forth. So um, in, that, in, in that sense, it's been great because it's been very freeing. Uh, I get to work with a lot of different technologies, a lot of different platforms and vendors. And in those scenarios, I do get to address those uh, um, use cases and very common business cases where organizations don't have a pure Microsoft estate. They yep. do have Mac and they do have uh, Linux. They have iOS and, I and Android and things of those things. Uh, natures where obviously direct access doesn't play. So it's been, uh, it's been good. It's been fun and it's uh, been quite interesting the last few years. Uh, so just to mention briefly about direct access then, um, 
it is still around in the release of Windows Server 2019. It is. I mean, they haven't really done anything to the uh, to like develop it any further or nothing. There's no real no new features in it. That's correct. But I still hear people crying wolf all the time that oh, direct access is going away right now, and we need to immediately <laughs> change out everything or so. in our infrastructure. So, I mean, it it has to have like at least nine, ten years of. Before it hits end of life, Absol- since it's still absolutely, included. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'll clear it up for you and your audience right now. Sure, because uh, there is a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, and the 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 fact is that so yes, uh, direct access is a part of Windows Server 2019. It is fully supported today, uh, and it will be supported through the lifetime of Windows Server 2019, and yeah. that includes on the client. Yeah. So direct access will be around through the life cycle of Server 2019 which is, what, five years of standard support, mainstream support, and five years of extended support. So 10 years from the release of Server 2019, and Microsoft has committed to maintaining direct access on the server and the client, and that's the important piece. Because some folks said, and had concerns, certainly myself included, that there was some some ambiguity there where direct access would be supported on the server, but then they would remove the bits from the client. (laughs) So there's a lot of people that had concerns that, well, this isn't going to really help me if you remove it from the client. (laughs) No, Microsoft will support it through the lifecycle of Server 2019 on the server and the client. That said, direct access has been around since 2008 R2 when it was first introduced, and it's gone through a few iterations. It was almost entirely rewritten for Server 2012. Oh, yeah, yeah. But since Server 2012, there have been no new features and functionalities. So right now, it is a seven- or eight-year-old product. Even if it's brand new in Server 2019, it is the same thing, albeit there's been fixes and things like that. Smaller tweaks, yeah. But really, the same functionality you had in Server 2012. Uh, The world has changed significantly since then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So direct access, although... It is uh, it's a staple of many large enterprise organizations and quite widely deployed. Uh, it's beginning to show its age. Absolutely. It has intimate uh, d- uh, dependencies on on-premises active directory and group policy and those types of things. Uh, it does have a uh, requirement to support IPv6. Uh, and there are some things that prevent it from really being applicable today. Many customers are looking for advanced features and capability. They now are beginning their cloud migrations. They're they're now fully hybrid. They want to take advantages of capabilities built into Azure AD. Yeah, micro VPNs and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly, and direct access doesn't do that. You have nope. to have an on-premises domain join server yep. to support this. It supports only domain join Windows 10 or clients and Windows 7. But but you get, you, you get where this is going, right? We, we have to have another solution that's going to support kind of the modern mobility, modern desktop environment. Yeah. And, and that pretty much brings us around straight away to Microsoft always on VPN. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I know that since you slowed down, let's say, on posting on direct access stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you began ramping up on the always on VPN stuff instead on Indeed. the Richard Hicks uh, website and the Twitter, of course. <laughs> so I know there was a... It was a little, let's say, shaky start for the technology itself since they kind of reversed the uh, functionality in how it even works. So instead of having the brains on the server side, now you have all the brains on the client side. Correct. So all the logic is actually done on the client and the server is pretty much just a dumb remote access server, more or less. More or less, and in fact... It's a, it's an advantage because always on VPN, as you'd mentioned, is 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 all client side. All of that functionality is on the client. 
it means that it is infrastructure independent. It means it doesn't really care what the back end is. So the back end can be a Windows server running the routing and remote access service, RS. But it could also be a Cisco ISR or an ASA. It could be a Palo Alto firewall. Uh, it could be a Juniper. It could be an F5. It could be any number of things on the back end, and we can support that. So that's what is 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 a pretty compelling feature of always on VPN. Yeah, and I suppose also you will get probably updates on a lot faster cycle since it's client-based. Uh, so clients correct, usually yes. get updates way more often than a server does. Indeed, yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So speaking of these updates, I know there was quite a few issues and bugs uh, when uh, always on VPN was actually released uh, yes. at the beginning. There have been a few patches along the way that makes things better, I suppose. Uh, yes. Uh, but as of 1909, uh, had you have a chance to check that out? Are there still issues? Um, so yes, I have had a chance to look at 1909, which is the release that was that just came out. Just a few and, weeks uh, ago. It seems pretty solid. And and yes, to kind of take a step back, when with the introduction of Always On VPN, and this was back in the 1607 days, it was, yeah, uh, yeah. It was a while ago. Um, it was quite challenging. Yes, the, it was a bumpy ride yep. getting this plane <laughs> off the runway, right? Um, there were a number of challenges and issues. Uh, there were a variety of bugs. There were missing features and capabilities. And Microsoft, God bless them, has done a fantastic job of really shoring this up. We've built some new features, um, addressed some missing uh, capabilities. <clears throat> uh, they've gone a long, long way to addressing stability and performance. Uh, it's not perfect yet. Um, but at the end of the day, this has only been around for a couple of years. Direct access yep. has been around for many, many more years. Yep, yep, so yep. people do say, hey, I love my direct access. It just works. We're going to get there with always on VPN. It's I'm just sure. a matter of time. I'm sure. But the early adopters always are always going to have pain. Anybody who's, who adopted Exchange early on probably had the same problems. SharePoint, <laughs> SQL. There, I don't think it's any different from any other technology at the end of the day. No, but that's yeah, true. I would say j just for your audience and, and for your edification, um, the guidance today is a minimum of Windows 10 1803. You should have, a, and as long as it's fully up to date, you should have a good experience. Yep. Uh, 1809 is probably the sweet spot. Uh, 1903, 1909 are just going to get better. But Microsoft, even uh, even this year, and even some future updates uh, coming out uh, pretty quickly this year, are going to address some of the challenges we've been having. So um, I would say if you've been if you've been looking at any of the comments on some of the blog posts on my blog, yep. there are some of them, there, the chains are very long and you can see there's some, <laughs> some really, um, <laughs> there's some really good conversations about the pain points. Uh, many of those have been addressed now. And so if you've, if you've been looking at those and you've been holding back and thinking, well, I'm, I'm not quite ready to jump into this pool yet. Uh, come on in, the water's warm. It's gotten a lot better. So you're in good shape. Yeah. So just to check with a, a specific uh, issue that I know was, um, uh, present before, so that was the device tunnel thingy. So yes. if you try to check for its connectivity, if it's actually connected, it's a disconnected, even though it was connected. Correct. So do you know if that specific has that, been fixed? That was that was corrected. Yes, that and you're was, right. Okay. And, and for clarification, there's a PowerShell command yep, yep. Um, that you can run to look at the the VPN can get VPN connection, and if you use the dash all user connection oh, parameter, yeah, yeah. that will show you any 
uh, device tunnels, so VPN profiles that have been provisioned in the context of the system, which is how the device tunnel yeah. works. And it would always, even if you were connected, the status was disconnected. It was just a bug. That yeah. was fixed, and I forget if it was in 1809 or 1903, uh, but that has been fixed. So as long okay. as you're running something relatively up-to-date, you shouldn't have that issue anymore. Okay, that sounds and, good. And for the listeners who haven't worked with always on vpn what, what's the difference between always on vpn and a conventional vpn solution what so, are the benefits of it good good point so at the end of the day always on vpn is really just vpn that launches automatically yep. okay it uses the um the tried and true vpn client plumbing that's built into the windows operating system so if you've ever built a vpn connection for any reason in windows 10 Windows 10 always on VPN leverages that capability. It's not configured entirely in the Windows 10 UI. So the always on secret sauce is essentially implemented at a much lower level. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is, and this is a, 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 a fundamental difference between always on VPN and direct access, is that always on VPN is designed to be managed uh, implemented and managed using Intune. Yeah. It actually uses the MDM interfaces so the configuration service provider, the CSP, to implement its changes. So you can make all sorts of changes in the UI, but you would never get an always-on connection. You must deploy that using uh, Intune. Yep. But principally, it is the VPN client. That, that's really all it is. And we're using standard VPN transports. Uh, we can use Ike V2. We can use SSTP. You know, Ike V2, the advantage there is that it's interoperable. So you could use that with a variety of backends, VPN appliances that yep. supported Ike V2. SSTP is a Microsoft proprietary transport. Uh, so you'd have to have Windows Server RRAS. Uh, the advantage to uh, uh, Ike V2 is, of course, again, the operability, also security. Performance. Uh, the, and performance. Uh, SSTP surprisingly has better throughput than Ike V2. Oh, really? Yeah, in my testing, <laughs> SSTP provides better throughput oh, that's than, than Ike V2. That's actually a surprise. Yes, I didn't know it that. is, and I don't know why. <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs> that's uh, it must have something to do with protocol overhead or something else. But... Uh, SSTP, the advantage to that is that it is uh, firewall friendly. It is a TLS transport, right? SSTP is Secure Socket Tunneling Protocol. It is a Microsoft proprietary transport. You have to have Windows Server RRAS on the back end to get to take advantage of that. But the it's firewall friendly, so from an operational perspective, it just works everywhere. Yeah, yeah. you're you're never going to get a help desk call for an executive who says, uh, "I'm at my this partner site and I my VPN won't come up." Well, it's Ike V2. It's being blocked by their firewall. They don't want yeah, you yeah, using yeah, no. that. But they're certainly not blocking port 443, which no, is what no. SSTP would run on. So yeah. uh, SSTP tends to be the protocol of choice for customers who are looking for the most ubiquitous access. Ike V2 is the ch protocol of choice if you're looking for interoperability, yeah. like you want to support Cisco backend or, or Checkpoint or whatever. Um, and it also is the protocol of choice if you're looking for the absolute best security. So if you, if for example, you have nation state adversaries and you're concerned about the uh, quality or the security of your connection, Ike V2 really is the choice. And you'll have to accept that it's not going to be, that it's going to be blocked in some locations. Yep. So at the end of the day, you have choices, but they, you know, those choices have trade-offs either way. Uh, but I'd still like to actually uh, drill down a little bit further into sure. those things, uh, mentioning that Microsoft does actually let people know, you know, the positives about always on VPN. You don't need to have the enterprise edition of Windows. 
Correct. Yes. However, yes. the device tunnel does, does require that, as far as I know. That's correct. And the reason for that is remember that this is a solution that was designed uh, to meet the future needs of mobility, right? Sure. So we're a cloud integrated world. We're using Azure AD. Our endpoints are either hybrid joined or they're just Azure AD joined. So we don't have the dependency, the strict dependency on Active Directory domain join, on-premises okay. domain yep. join, traditional domain join for always on VPN. So the idea behind the device tunnel, and it was really somewhat of an afterthought, was that when we started to push out always on VPN, customers said, hey, well, I'm, I'm hybrid joined or I'm strictly yeah. on-premises domain joined mm -hmm. and I need pre-log on connectivity. In other words, I need to be able to ship a laptop to a user in the field and have them log on remotely the first time. Yep. With direct access, that works yep. because direct access has two distinct connections. There's a device connection and a user connection. So when the user with the direct access client, when they log on, they're already connected and have access to domain controllers. So if they don't have creden cache credentials, they can talk to domain controllers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was Always the pretty on one, the, the strongest points. Exactly. And it I was, remember. It was awesome. Yeah. And when we first introduced Always on VPN, it lacked that feature, and many customers pushed back and said, I really rely on this. Uh, I, I need to be able to provision devices in the field, yep. or I just want to streamline uh, challenges and issues with self-service password reset, or I want to make it easier to do remote administration, be able to reboot a laptop remotely, not have to have the user log back in so that the admin can keep yep. working. So there was a variety of scenarios and use cases in which we needed that pre-log on connectivity. So yep. Microsoft did build what's known as the device tunnel. And since the device tunnel was designed principally to provide feature parity with direct access, they kept the direct access model. Yeah. Meaning you have to be domain enterprise. joined and you have to be enterprise edition. Uh, to be honest with you, the enterprise edition thing, yeah, I, that, I, guess, I guess I can see that. Um, the fact that it has to be domain joined makes sense to me because there's, if you're not domain joined, and I'm talking about on-premises Active Directory domain joined, there's no point in having a device tunnel no, anyway. Exactly. No, yeah. so. that's right. Uh, but one final detail, actually, just to get this over with. So the device tunnel is still IPsec only, so Ike only. Correct. The yes, the the um, uh, the SSTP the only works for the correct. User tunnel, so the right? device tunnel does use Ike v2 exclusively yep. today. Yep. I just wanted to get that cleared out. So yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh, two questions then, or. First one statement and then two questions. I think that speaks a lot to what I see and tell my customers that if you are on-prem still, you should really be running enterprise because that's the mm -hmm. uh, that's the feature of, uh, or the uh, version of Windows that have everything you need to secure an on-premises infrastructure and, like you said, also Excellent. provide connectivity for that. Yeah. And Pro is for everyone that have been taking that step and are mostly cloud-only. Would you agree with that? I would agree, and that is an excellent point. Uh, there are a number of capabilities around the Enterprise Edition that are good for on-premises, yep. Active Directory, Domain Join, you know, corporate-owned, corporate-managed. I call them traditional or classic yep. deployments, right? Uh, but you're right. If you're moving to the cloud and you're Azure AD exclusive or you're hybrid, yep. then you probably don't need the, the, the capabilities provided yep. by Enterprise Edition. And so you can certainly go with Windows 10 Pro and 
and save some licensing. Do you then know if it's working on Windows 10 Business, the very unknown version of Windows, but which is included in the M365 Business SKU? Very good point. Now, this is not LTSP, right? The, nope. the no, 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 long-term no. it's branch. it's it's. Uh, Again, it's a very unknown version of Windows, but if you do mm -hmm. an M365 business SKU, yes. apply that to a user and log on to uh, a Windows 10 Pro device, uh -huh. it will actually upgrade to Windows 10 business, not enterprise. Fascinating. So yeah. I would I would say probably, yep. most likely, but I can't say yes because nope. I don't. I was not aware no, no, of the it, business it, version <laughs> until just well, now. Well, there you go. That's so it's pretty unknown then. It's certainly not something that I've tested myself, yep. so I can't say definitively, yep. but I would expect it to work. Yeah. And the last question I had were, so in, in relation to always-on VPN and traditional VPN solutions, we also have per-app VPN. Correct. So, so always, like micro-VPNs. Yeah, micro-VPNs. Correct. So always-on VPN has a lot of features and capabilities, and, and we could spend an hour talking about those. But you're right. So always-on VPN, when we think of VPN, we think of a, a, a broad access connection. Yep. Direct access, that's the paradigm or the model that they use. Yep. So when you're connected, you have full access to the network, unless you do something else. But the technology itself, direct access, includes no features or capabilities to restrict access. Um, always on VPN is a little different. So with always on VPN, we could grant full access, but we could also get very <laughs> granular with that. We can create traffic filters and restrict access to specific um, hosts or networks, yep. specific services, protocols and ports. So I could literally do an always-on VPN connection and say you have access to these three servers on RDP, yep. period. Or this subnet and a group of services or you know what have you. There's a lot of capabilities built into that. You can also trigger the always-on VPN on an application. So in other words, always-on VPN does not have to be always-on. No. <laughs> in other words, in other words, I can literally say it's an on-demand VPN, and when you launch this application by package, family name, or executable, then launch the VPN, and I could conceivably restrict it then. Say when this application launches, this application has access to these servers on these ports. So I could launch mstsc.exe and say these are the servers, and you have three to three eighty-nine on these servers. Another VPN could be established, for example, if I had another app that would launch a VPN connection and then be restricted to its own ports, subnets, yeah, yeah. IPs. So there's a lot of granularity there. Uh, and also, by the way, you can, you can get more broad as well and you could do uh, host name. Yep. So literally, if any application or service calls a host name, then launch that and connect the VPN. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Very good. So... What's been your highlights from Microsoft Ignite so far? So uh, it's been a great week, uh, meeting with a lot of customers, a lot of vendors, business partners, yep. uh, obviously the social events, but a lot of announcements that are, you know, obviously make all of our heads spin. It's uh, you're, you're drinking from the waterfall here, I'd yep. say, right? <laughs> um, yeah, there's been a ton of announcements around uh, new features and capabilities in Azure VPN Gateway. Yep. Um, look for those. There was a session, I think there's a session today or tomorrow where there's going to be some more announcements, so I don't know if I can okay, talk about yep, it right now. Yep. But there were, I think yesterday or the day before, there were some announcements around Azure VPN Gateway scalability. Uh, they're scaling up uh, uh, support for that, um, a variety of new features and functionality. So the, the Azure VPN Gateway, by the way, is a supported gateway for always on VPN. Again, as we mentioned oh. at the outset of this podcast, we were talking about 
always on VPN being infrastructure independent, and it can support any variety of VPN backends, and that includes the Azure VPN gateway. And so you can leverage the Azure VPN gateway to terminate always on VPN client connections, and they're building some additional capability in there. Like, um, they're, I think they're having native support for Act Azure Active Directory authentication, support for MFA built into the Azure VPN gateway for point to site. That's a huge one. And again, we're talking here in, in this discussion in the context of always on VPN, but the Azure VPN gateway is used by a lot of developers and yep. infrastructure support folks that are um, doing remote administration. And you definitely would want to uh, have a multi-factor authentication for those types of connections. Yeah, that's actually very nice to hear because I, I don't know how many times I've got the question, can I move my on-premise direct access server to Azure? Yes, you can in theory, but no, it's not supported. So, yeah. so finally we get a solution that actually is supported. That's correct. And and there are there are trade-offs for that too. And, yeah. and I've, I've written a blog post about this. But um, the reality is, is that, and in, in surprisingly, Windows Server with routing and remote access, RRAS, is not a supported workload in Azure. Exactly. <laughs> now, <laughs> when, I say, direct access when I say, and direct access the same way, direct yep. access is not supported in Azure. And by the way, both of those workloads work just fine in Azure. <laughs> they They're <do>. just <laughs> not formally supported. I deploy RS in Azure fairly regularly. Customers that are willing to uh, forego the support yep. are happy to accept that limitation. Because yeah. it does, it works, it works well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you're looking for a fully supported solution, then you can certainly leverage the Azure VPN gateway. There are some limitations that are associated with that. Uh, if you go to my blog and just do, if you just do a search in for like on Azure VPN, you'll find some articles on that where I talk in more detail about that. Yep. And so if you're interested in finding Mr. Hicks on uh, Twitter, you can find him at Richard Hicks. So nothing uh, secretive about that. No Good. weird names or anything. No. Simon. No. I think that's great. Great conversation, guys. Thank you so much for uh, being here and My for pleasure. taking the Thanks time to appear on the podcast. And have a great rest of Microsoft Ignite. Will do. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.